Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamant. And this is TalkArt. Welcome to TalkArt. How are you today, Rob? Today, Russell, I am feeling like a contradiction, and that is because our incredible guest is an extraordinary artist, and I feel like his work often analyzes, excavates, and brings to the surface many contradictions in history, but also in, in, in the present time. And actually, time is also something I've been um, thinking a lot about since I first seen his work i i saw a show in 2010 i think at hales gallery in london mm. and i also saw his work at the folkestone triennial which was actually in a church we'll talk about it later it was such an extraordinary installation and he's best known for his sculptures but i this idea of time and kind of like moving forwards and there was a quote that he actually referenced by john houston which i wanted to mention quickly in the intro just because i think it sums up so much of this artist thinking in a way the quote is you walk through a series of arches so to speak and then presently at the end of a corridor a door opens and you see backward through time and you feel the flow of time and realize you are only part of a great nameless procession and the artist we're meeting today has a work called The Procession currently on display at the Tate Britain. And it was the major commission for the Devine galleries, like that huge kind of massive hallway in the centre of the museum. It's kind of the heart of the museum. So uh, that, that's actually running right now. So you can go there and see it for free. And um, I think it runs for ages. So you've got plenty of time to see it. It's until the 22nd of January, 2023. So definitely head over there. But right now, we would like to welcome to Talk Art, Hugh Lock. Hi, Hugh. <laughs> Hi, Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I've listened to this podcast before and listened to the welcomes. It's very weird when it's yourself involved and it's kind of welcome. <laughs> So here I am. <laughs> <laughs> roll on, on roll down. On. You lot. Well, you think... <laughs> oh, Lord. Like, oh, so strange. That's nice. It's good. It's a good strange, uh, though, right? No, it's a no, nice strange. Oh, good strange. Good strange. Good strange. No, I just, yeah, today I just, um, I, I'll explain. I, 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 um, I was uh, last week going to Venice Biennale for the uh -huh. opening to see the opening of I have two friends showing one for the French pavilion Zuneb Sadira and one for the British pavilion Sonia Boy so I went to check the opening out so basically you're dealing with a slightly spaced out artist first deep <laughs> bath and full-on art world stuff 
for for well for for several years now you know yeah well congratulations to sonia boyce who won the golden lion yeah, alongside yeah, yeah. the simone cool. lay for america for the american pavilion but that must yeah. have been a brilliant night celebrating in venice it was it was a thing you know to I me mean, it was it was a thing you know anyway yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm back here now, back here now, back down to earth, you know. Fab. Well, first of all, we got to say congratulations because the 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 work that Rob was talking about, the procession, which is at Tate Britain on until January 2023, you've had the most remarkable reviews for this. It is phenomenal, and th- I mean, I'm sure that must feel brilliant. But what are there mixed emotions that come from having such uh, incredible response to a work of art that you've made? Um, when you make a work of art, uh, and you put it out there in the world, right, it, it can become something else, you know what I mean? It, it, it's nothing to do with me anymore to a certain extent. Um, I mean, it was extraordinary. I mean, I haven't had that response to work of art before, you know, and, um, it was, it's been, it was, it was, it was, it was very, very touching, actually, to be honest, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> does it does it inspire you to, because this, this, this work, The Procession, has more than 100 figures. I think there's about between 130 and 140 I'm reading all over the place, and yeah. also five horses. Yeah. Does this, does this work on this scale um, make you inspire to create work of this scale and bigger or does it slightly terrify you because of the response that you have to then <laughs> ma- match that how do you match that with your next uh, yeah, well, project well, that, that you're only as good as your last piece of work nonsense <laughs> yeah um the next piece of work i do the response is going to be different because it's, it's going to be a different piece of work you know what i mean i don't know what but then i don't know what the response is going to be to the next thing i do you know, which is going to be um, a statue in Birmingham, the statue of Queen Victoria in the centre of Birmingham. I'll be um, re- doing some work on that. Um, so, so, so it's a reworking. It's It's been a bit of a shock, you know, to be honest mm. with you. You know, it's mm. been quite a shock because it, 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 you're working on something, you're working on something, but it's a public even though it's inside the gallery, it's a public piece of art because of the nature of the context and the nature of the commission. And um, I keep wondering, and you, as you're working, you try and wonder, well, well how is this going to work? How is this going to go down? Because it needs an audience to work with. It literally, the, the nature of the piece, procession of figures, the audience becomes part of the work. So you need the audience to be working with it. Um, reviews, nice reviews is a bonus, but... I mean, the reviews I've had was <laughs> listeners to this. And we're going, why won't he bloody say something? I can't. It's very difficult to say something when you, when you're just so thrown by by the reaction, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I was trying to make make an intense emotional thing because that's sort of where we've been in the last few years, and that's quite frankly where we are right now. Yes. You know, I was trying to make something. Something which lasts lasts for time in people's minds, at least, you know, and um, and it's it seems to be working. Fingers crossed, you know. 
Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Well, this commission, I just want to, f- for, for listeners knowing that the, the Tate has commissioned an artist since the year 2000, so every year, to create uh, an installation for the Devine Galleries, which is the kind of hallway that connects uh, the big gallery spaces in Tate Britain in Pimlico on, on the River Thames. And this year was Hughes' large-scale installation. Uh, and artists before have been Anthea Hamilton, who we've had on, and Pablo Bronstein. There's been a lot of artists that have taken on this Martin place. Martin Creed's running one. I think a lot of people will have seen ah, that one, where the runners right. used to like run through. Yeah, That's right. But this, 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 this uh, procession is is full of all these... Um, human scale figures. I think that's something that's really important to you in your work is that there is a human yeah. scale element yes. that you can connect on mm-hmm. a human level. That these are never over enlarged, exaggerated versions of uh, of figures. They're they're very uh, connective with our own bodies. Exactly, and that that was the important thing with this particular piece that um, that people would w- w- would relate to it in some way or the other. You know that that. That, uh, they're not raised up on a plinth. They're just on bases, but on the floor. And that's important. So when you walk with walk alongside them, particularly when you walk back along with the procession, you're walking with them. You're a part of it. And that, that was really quite important um, because otherwise it becomes an us and them type of thing. And, and it's not that at all. You know what I mean? It was, I wanted it to draw people into this this experience, you know, and also bring their own. It's kind of difficult to talk about because it's quite an emotional thing. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I'm not normally like this about art, about, about things I do. But it, it, I think it's because of the, the the times we've been living in. Yeah, mm. um, it's it's something that I wanted people to be involved in, even bringing their own story to the whole thing you know the, 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 and, and it's 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 a massive spread of history it's a massive span of history it's it, it's it's a, it's a giant puzzle it's a giant web linking many different things together many many things well you've, you've said that if you wasn't an artist you would have been a historian so history the yes. element of history within your practice is is so important i mean as long alongside other career long interests you have in like global power structures the, the monument the legacy of colonialism empire migration there's lots of nuances within your practice but that but history is obviously fundamental to telling your stories exactly and, and i mentioned how history affects us today um uh in other words it's not a dry boring subject to me it's like so that be, is because of that and that is because of that, and maybe the, 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 all and all the all the subtle links which make us who we are today, and which which give give a guide as to who where we're going in the future. If you see what I mean, you know. And I should say to, to explain to people who haven't seen the piece, the piece mm-hmm. is, is is figures dressed in textiles, textile costumes. But mo- a lot of the costumes, uh, some of them are made, some of them are based on previous work. But a lot of them are based on, on, on previous work, which was painted share certificates. So I've had fabric printed up and made into costumes. The, the, the share certificates are ranging of, of, from a wide range of countries. And um, that's one of the basis of it. Okay, let me, I should explain. Yeah, what's a share it, certificate? Okay, right. 
Um, <laughs> what's a share certificate? Basically, you have a company, you float it on the, uh, on the stock exchange, you issue shares, people buy shares, and, um, and that makes your company a, a bigger deal, a bigger thing. Government bonds or governments issue bonds when they're in trouble trying to raise money. I'm not, a fi- I'm not, an, I'm not an, economic, an economics expert, but I should explain where this came from. In 2008, I was doing a show in New York, and things are going okay at the install. We were in a credit crunch stage at that time. This is September 2008. Mm. And three days into my trip, I woke up in the morning, and the whole thing had collapsed. Lehman Brothers had gone, and then the whole pack of cards came down. And I came back to London. The art world had gone. And I came back to London. What do I do? And I thought, you know what? I'm going to start investing in dead companies. So I started buying old documents and painting stories related to the history of these companies on the actual documents. And I spent and I and I, and I sort of settled on, on buying a lots of of, of um, bond gold bonds from China, the Imperial Chinese government, issued on on HSBC Bank, by the way, and um, and and superimposing images on top of them as to how things have changed for these countries. That's what's there in the procession, but it's even as I say that it's more complex than that. You know oh yeah, I mean? you know? well these form sections of costumes. I guess there is such a theatricality exactly. to the procession, and and the closer you get, I don't think you can ever take on every element of this of this procession because you you've said they they've all got little stories, and I think as an actor, and I think you know it, 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 with the theater and everything, you you can absolutely invest in all the conversations that you are you know witnessing. You, you've got permission to stare and you can look at them, but there are secret coding questions and answers going back and forth throughout. Exactly. They're going back and forth throughout. Um, and, um, and you can look at them and go, oh, oh that's that, or that's that. Or, or there are these two black guys, they're carrying what looks like a shrine. And you think, well, what is that? What's that white plaster thing in there? Well, when, when you know that these guys are carrying a shrine which has the death mask of Napoleon, um, then it's like, oh, what, 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 what? all of a sudden, Napoleon reintroduced slavery. Napoleon was not, Napoleon was a, a bit of a nightmare. He's not the romantic um, figure that some people would like to think, you know, or, or just uh, a, a, an amazing general or whatever, you know what I mean? As soon as I hear him reintroducing slavery, like, you know what? He's not my guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. At all, you know. Um, the, the the shrine is wrapped around with an with an image of a painting called "The Death of Major Pearson" by John Copley, and that's in in the British uh, in the Tate collection in the in in the historical side of the gallery. And the images of the central image is of a black marksman, right? supposedly shooting the French marksman who killed this Major Pearson guy. And he's his servant, in inverted commas. But the whole thing is not necessarily a... Re- it's very... <laughs> I, I, I'm stopping and starting because I'm trying to put across something which is very complicated, yes. which I'm still working out myself. You yeah, know? well, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. So the, the, this work, for example... 
because there's so many elements, I think I've read that the Tate expected 60 figures. And as we're saying, it's, it's closer to 140. Do you know, via drawing, sketching, stuff like research, how you're going to place each element together? Or as you're saying, this Napoleon story, which you've picked up, does that then become a catalyst for, oh, wow, okay, that's fascinating to me. I'm going to put that in. How do you edit and create? Okay, right. The, the whole thing is done... The pieces were made in sections, so we'll have uh, we'll have three or four like this in, in this particular pose, with this particular type of, of costume, with this particular type of face or mask. But then after a while, it becomes um, a thing whereby, you know what, this is not quite working. Or w- what tended to happen was, um, because I've been doing this obviously for, for a very long time, I was like, let's improvise on this. I'm, I'm making the shrine... Um, this is not working. What can I do? Yeah, I, you know what? This Napoleon mask might work on that. And you put the Napoleon mask on. All of a sudden, you guys, oh my God, the John Copley painting is of a war between um, Britain, England, Britain, Britain, and France. You know, the, the, the Napoleonic Wars. And all of a sudden, I think so. That's Napoleon is surrounded by this painting of the Napoleonic Wars. And then there's an image on the side of a, a, a mother and child. And she's holding a baby and she's running from this battle. She's running in terror. And all of a sudden, with what's been happening lately, um, the piece opened and I saw that in a very different way. What what I'm trying to say is that work is not static. It evolves in how how I see it, if you see what I mean. It's not the same thing anymore. I just noticed there was a little bit of a noise there so when it evolves is this is this work the procession complete and and this was created during the pandemic the whole structure yes yeah is is this is does this have life to grow and be shown somewhere else with further elements that's a good question um uh let's talk about that later (laughs) (laughs) just sit in the moment for now yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no. It it, it it definitely it definitely does have have the opportunity to be shown in, in, in another venue in another scenario. That's for sure. Um, it's designed for a specific venue, but as we as I was working it, I was realizing the, it's a much wider thing than than that. If you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. You, you, you've obviously made um, work for many decades now. And um, if you look back at your own kind of artistic history, um, what happens the older you get when you look back at your work? Are you able to kind of then reference yourself and your own vernacular, like this kind of language that I feel like every time I see one of your installations, they're, they're very varied, but they, they do all become this kind of larger whole. Um, what does that feel like now at the point where you're at? Um it feels like it all hangs together in some way or the other, even though I've never done a piece like the procession before, but then within it, there are literally images which are from uh, my past um, history, my past artistic history. So it, it, it links directly like that, but also in feel. I've been looking and thinking, where have I seen this before in my work? Oh my God, this was going back to this me in this squat back in Stockwell in 1991. And it's, it has, a, 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 it remi- re- it's like, this really reminds me of that. It's a very diff- it's different piece of work. It's m- much more, um, um, the concepts, the philosophy behind it is, is much more evolved. 
But at the same time, the basis of it is set, it stretches back to 1991, you know. Mm. I saw an amazing um, talk you gave with Yale. Um, it was like an online one. And you were talking about many different series that you've made. But I loved the idea of the one that you showed in Miami um, of all of these. I think it's called the... Um, the armada maybe it's one of it's one of the boat um installations. oh right 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 yeah 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 and the way that that had actually traveled physically on the sea itself and then yes. and then encountered storms and yes. i just loved this idea a bit like what you're saying about an artwork being active how it the artwork itself can experience you know something that you might even be referencing deep within the the layers of the the thinking exactly yeah i mean i mean that was an extraordinary situation whereby I sold this big piece of work, which actually was a piece from Folkestone Triennial. It was a piece yes, called yeah. For Those in Peril on the Sea. Extra instantly, it's called For Those in Peril on the Sea. And yet it had to wait for hurricane season to pass. So the artwork shipping out to Miami would not be itself in peril on the sea. You know? And that was really quite a, a interest. I was fascinated by that. You know? It's quite poetical, isn't it? Oh, completely, completely. And the way that the work... It, what, I, what I love about working with these boat sculptures is that it has different resonances. It has resonances all over the world, but they are different and varied. In Folkestone, when I show this piece in Folkestone Triennial, this is a piece of um, votive boats, contemporary votive boats, I should say, to, for people who haven't seen the piece, suspended from the ceiling. And there are various different sizes, and there are lots of them. There are about 70 or something like that of these boats suspended in, in, the, in the church. And it, again, for me, it really worked. Then I sold that piece of work to Perez Art Museum in Miami. I was so happy to sell it because it means it has a life beyond. The piece gets shipped out to Miami after the hurricane season. It arrives in Miami, and it goes on display in a city with a massive population of descendants of immigrants, recent immigration. Yes. And it was taken on in a, in a way which is very, very different. People took it to heart in a, in a very personal way, you know? Yeah, it's amazing the power that artworks have to kind of bring up um, the viewers' own traumas, their own kind of, even their family's traumas, their kind of like the histories. I, I think it's that, that work in particular, because if you think about the Kent coast and, you know, um, migrants coming over from, from all different places on, yeah. on boats, even to like Dover, I think that, that work, even the Folkestone one, like the memory of that for me, like it often comes to my mind because I, I live in the Kent coast myself in, in Margate. And, yeah. um, yeah, it's just interesting, isn't it? How, how it's such a global, um, it's a, it's a human discussion really. Well, it's like, yeah. it's a global, uh, Thing. It is a human discussion, and hence the title for those in peril on the sea. That particular piece. The second title was uh, of, of another piece, um, which is on display right now at Tate Liverpool. For those of you who, who are interested, um, uh, is called Armada, and yes. Armada, and and that's that's that whole thing of like uh, that. Uh, that was definitely referring to this fear of the foreigner, fear of invasion. Fear, you know what I mean, and. Um, it is, and I, what, what I'm trying to talk about is something, I, I often mention, I often talk, say years ago, there was this phenomenon called the boat people coming from Vietnam. Now, Vietnamese American is a very normal thing, you know what I mean? In other words, yesterday's refugee to today's tomorrow's citizen, you know? 
and um, I, 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 and and then this whole the, the whole thing breaks down into good refugee, bad refugee. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Economic migrants and stuff like that. It's I'm, I'm trying in these works. I'm trying to talk about something which is um, trying to get some empathy going, basically. You know, and but 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 also talking about the lengths, um, the, the long trail of history that leads to certain situations if you see what i mean yeah and also how that history isn't dead you know the impact of that history is very much alive in the everyday isn't it and in those people who are moving forward you know in all of us i guess it's like the impact of history is so deep and inherited trauma everyone inherits the past exactly exactly you know and um yeah, it, it, it's it is quite a thing, you know, it's quite a thing. What is your notebook like? Is it like note after note of like a, a, a date, a period in history, this moment in time, things that you know that you can draw on? Is there a sketchbook that you carry around and just constantly write in? No, 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 no. I, I'm not <laughs> that. I'm not that organised. I've got I, when I'm on the tube, um, I'm sitting down and I'm scrolling through images on my phone. Because that's my my encyclopedia, and it's it's lots of basically trawling around museums usually, but find trying to find bits and pieces here, there, and everywhere, and um, or stuff I've downloaded online, and and so w- when I'm on the tube, that that's what I'm doing, scrolling through these things, going, yeah, that's that's interesting, or that's interesting, you know. But but uh, I've got a, I've got drawers and drawers full of of sketches at the studio. Um, with, with with plans of particular things or comp- parts of future work and stuff like and actually, that. Actually, you, you so on your phone, you're looking at photographs from taking it. So photography has been something that has kind of followed through the whole of your life in a way. And even though you're known for your sculpture, I was really fascinated to hear that you had like a pinhole camera when you were really young and you you made a whole body of like street photography even and um which obviously later on you did actually make more recent work uh you know with photography in, in the in the um monuments work yeah well i i i was i was mainly using pinhole photography um i may have used it when i was young but i'm mainly mainly using it when, when i was at college when i was back in the 80s at falmouth yes. school of art um I, I i was obsessed with trying to be I was experimenting, you know, but but the cameras were boring at that point in time to me. I need to be trying something different here, you know, to me. And so I was obsessed with pinholes for about a year. And it still lingers in the back of my mind because it's it's about all about accident. You don't know where you're getting. It's that sort of improvising thing. Pinhole cameras, for those of you who haven't tried it, it's, it's a great thing, you know, to me. And it's something you can do at any age, actually. That's the thing about it. What is it? What is the process of a pinhole camera? Well, I'd have to crank back into... You know what? You're talking to the wrong <laughs> person here. i got to go... I've I, I got a second screen. I have to go back into YouTube to remember. It's been so bloody long since I've done one. You know what I mean? Does it but, involve uh, a pin and a hole? A pin a pin and a hole and a, and a sheet of um, photographic paper in a box, a sealed box. But... I got sophisticated about it. I was trying to create lenses for pinhole cameras, and um, yeah, but I, I, I was scratched. This pinhole cameras is not my ex. It's not. It's not my. <laughs> it's expertise. essentially a simple camera yeah, right. without a lens, though, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of what. A... It, it's a. It's a very simple yeah. camera without a lens, and um, 
and you you end up with 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 some some very strange results which look almost victorian it's so it's so interesting ah, though that like something that's that sort of formative in a sense it's like when you were at art school and you were experimenting with that still comes into your mind as an approach it's like all those lessons you learn it might not end up being the final product or the final artwork or or what have you but but it still has an impact in the way that you see the world and the way you make art yes i mean um whatever my approach to work is trying to make something which surprises me or is fresh every time you know um which is a bit of a burden at times you know what i mean but but it's wanting to be discover something every time you go so so you, it's, it's, so so you got a bloody reason to get out of bed you know what i mean <laughs> you know because because it's like oh i'm gonna try this thing today or this painting i worked on yesterday I left, you know, um, one of the questions that was put through from you guys is like, what was the advice you were given, you know? And usually the things you remember, this, that, and the other, and I suddenly remember something as I'm talking to you here. It's like, when I was on foundation course, some tutor, I don't, can't remember who, said, you should always leave um, the studio excited about what you're going to come back and do tomorrow. In other words, you don't, don't finish it so perfect. Just leave in a point where you think, you know what, this is in at a nice stage where I can walk away, but I'm interested in coming back tomorrow. Not like, oh my God, tomorrow I'm coming back and it's going to be sheer struggle, you know? So, so you're excited about it, thinking, boy, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to hit that with some red and some green and that, that, that's going to be really good. Or... You know, this map is not working, but I know if I put this other map on top of this and this, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's, it's, and, and it just gets you excited thinking, it, it's, about the, it's about future possibilities, you know? It's about and giving it's, yourself rewards, you know, <laughs> if you step away now and excited, you're going to exactly, and, and exactly, treat yourself. Yeah. Exactly. When, when you, if you come back tomorrow, you, you, know, you know that it'll be okay, you know what I mean? Things, yeah. things, things will be. It's, 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 Talking yeah. about pressures of being an artist, if you're um, known as you are for like these very ambitious, large-scale installations, I guess you get invitations that that come up, um, you know, that offer you a great opportunity, but also probably present anxiety and pressure to have to deliver something on such a big scale. When you were asked by the Tate to do the current work, um, I know that context is obviously very key and very important because when you are asked to make an installation mm. in a certain context it has all the layers of history so like the one in Folkestone with those with those um you know hanging boats from the ceiling like that was in a church which yeah. I heard you talk before so we don't need to talk about it now but like about that specific context and why that resonated and was important can you speak a bit about the history of the Tate and and wh whether you wanted to immediately okay. do that work or show it there or Okay, so so I I had I had different ideas, so, um, but the idea which I I, I thought would seem to would be working better was the, the this idea of a procession. I was first asked um, to 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 take this on, whether I be interested in taking this on, and I was like, great, okay, this sounds great because I mean, um, it's I thought wonderful, you know, um, and. Then what happened? My brain's slightly slipping here. Oh yes. So 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 okay. So I let, 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 
rewind, rewind, <laughs> rewind, press rewind. Okay, right, boom, back, back, set, set back again. Okay, so uh, uh, w- w- would you like to do, come up with some ideas for this thing, Hugh? Um, yeah, great. Yeah, wonderful. So I come up with some ideas and I think, right, the procession. The procession is the one. This, 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 there's never been something like that in this particular space. Let's go with that. And then it's accepted. Great. And then you got to do the thing. So for three months, I was like, boy, I got a Duveen commission. Three months. I'm like, happy, 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 man. Like excited, you know, a little nervous and stuff. And then the fear kicked in, man. Oh, my God. And that nearly destroyed me. Because what I, I, I looked at the space and thought, this space could eat my career, <laughs> you know, literally. They could chew it up and spit it out. Because the Duveen Commission, I've, and I've seen a lot of them, if not most, majority of them. And it's tough. It, that space is a really, really difficult space. Because it's like a mausoleum, you know? And also, it's, it's splitting history. Also, there's the whole aspect of the complex history of Tate when it comes to an artist like me, you know, um, how did the origins of the gallery and start and stuff like that. And also you know? the whole like sugar industry and that, that history as well. The whole sugar industry thing. Exactly. Now, I, I know that, 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 that Tate was not made with, uh, the, the buildings were not built with slave money and stuff like that. It's not, it's not come out of that at all. Um, and it was all about sugar cubes and stuff like that. But they're still invo- being involved in the sugar business in the 19th century, in the early, very early 20th century, that was a tough, grim business, you know yes. what I mean? So it was important for me to talk about that specifically, mm. you know? Um, and the, and the, it's, it's complex, it's not simple. So there, there, there's a particular image which I've used in this piece, which is of three cane cutters, and it's a late Victorian um, photograph, late 19th century mm-hmm. photograph. And they're being photographed as workers, you know, to me, in the cane field. They're eating sugar cane. And you look at them, one of them, the three, two women, one man. The two, one of the women is slightly smiling. The others are not smiling at all. It's not just because of the Victorian camera pose. It's because I feel it's like I ain't smiling for you, you know what I mean? Um, I, this, is, this, is, this is not fun for me. You're posing me here for a particular reason, to show that we're happy, we're eating sugar cane and stuff like that. Sod you, you know mm. what I mean? Mm. So I guess you feel a responsibility to the past, to, to history, to tell their story. To a certain extent, there's a, there is a responsibility. It's almost like <laughs> that, 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 that phrase, like, you got to re- represent, boy, you got to represent, you know? And, um, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Why should I have, I, I should be able to do what I want. But I was very conscious with this particular commission that I, that I had within, with, with, with what the work said, you know what I mean, as I'm directing this thing, um, is what w- w- was the right thing, if you see what I mean. But also complex, because history is very complex and very messy, you know, and, and that's there as well. But the whole thing, as I keep saying, it's about hope, you know. It's about yeah. It's about, well, they're, 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 they're always looking, everything I've read, you said that they're always looking to the future. They're always heading to the future, even though you're referencing the past and you've described it as a colossal collage. It's a colossal collage of the exactly. past. Exactly, yeah. They're, they're referencing the past, but everybody is forward thinking with, with the armada, the ships 
from my from what I've seen have all are all facing in the same direction. Exactly, they're all heading. It's, it's a it's a very similar type of approach where yeah. they're all going to the future, but we don't know what future they're heading into. There may be trouble, difficulties ahead of ahead of them, but they're still going there. You know what I mean? And they're going with all their issues from the past, but but it's being carried there. You know what I mean? It, it, it's about it's about it's about hope despite difficulties. You know what I mean? That's actually why I think it's a positive. Yeah, that's why word, I think a this, positive this message. particular installation is so vital right now. And I, I've always believed mm. that art has the power to change people's hearts and minds, and like, and actually change the way people can think, and also to hold on to hope. Because at times like right now, our government is so despicable and doing such acts of cruelty to human beings. You know, if you think of Pretty Patel and um, Boris Johnson and all of these, uh, you know. Their oh my God, that Rwanda nonsense. What, what? It's an, deeply. I, I thought that was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like a bad joke, you know what I mean? It's like, what, what, what were you thinking, guys? You know, I'm sorry. I, I, I was, <laughs> I'm laughing, but I mean, it's, it's a bitter laugh, you know. I, mm. I was, I was deeply upset by that. Yeah, and I, I think I was, I was really shocked. I think by it's that. so great when, when you can have an artwork that can remind people that even when you're in a moment of complete turbulence and destruction, you know, there's a war happening, there's all this stuff happening, that there is a better future out there. And even like Macron getting back into power the other day, I sort of weirdly felt slight relief that somehow in France they're they're being able to stand up to the far right because it just seems to be growing and growing yeah. all over again. Yeah, I mean. Um... Yeah, I was I was hanging around with a lot of people, a number of people who were were French or living in France, and everybody was a bit nervous, yeah. you know, as to what 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 the result was going to be, you know. Mm. Mm. Do you think art? Well, she tried three times and she didn't get in, so bye yeah. bye. Marine. Do you think art actually does yes. have? No, no, no. Do, do Do you think art actually does have the power to sort of mobilize people to sort of encourage people to go towards a more positive future? Or is it not really exactly? I would like to, I would like to think that, but I mean, I I think it's very very dodgy to try and get into that sort of scenario. You know what I mean? Um, it, it is because it, it 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 puts too much pressure on the artist yeah. to a certain extent, you know, and it asks sometimes too much. But then, that I'm trying to get people to look at some things. To draw people in with something which is interesting and vibrant and hopefully attractive, mm -hmm. to start thinking more, more, more deeply about a number of different things, complex things, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. whatever, and, and and getting people to bring their own stories to it, you know what I mean? So, so it's not just about the piece that they're looking at; it's about them as well, you know. Uh, but as for art changing the world, I, I, I think. It would be nice to think that art could change the world, I'm not, and, and I'm, I'm not. But, but I, I, I think that that's really too much yeah. pressure. You know, that, that that that's really tricky. That that that's what people that's what people change yes. the world. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, art's yeah. a different thing. You know, and it's yeah. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Well, this, this sculpture has some unsettling moments, but you, you've been quoted to say it must look exciting, it must look colourful, it mustn't be boring. So you have a consideration for uh, the public, for who's going to see the work a lot, for the actual experience and the immersive energies that your work can bring to someone. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it mustn't be boring. You know, it, it must, it must, you know, it's, okay. It's very tricky talking about this because for me, the piece is still quite, an emotional thing um but you know if somebody's gonna get on the tube right get on a bus to come and see my work right i've got to give them something to see i I gotta re i gotta make so you know what mate you 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 people have come along here you made the effort to come here even though it's free you made an effort i've got to give you some sort of reward you know i I feel it's a responsibility that to give somebody here you are. Um, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. I really do. You know, and I do mean that. Yeah. Can we talk about your uh, your processes and your studio process? Your studio is in Brixton in South London. Yeah. Now, now this this colossal collaged work must. I mean, to do that by yourself would have been. Is that a miracle? Or did you? Or how have you got many assistants that you I I, I worked to? with about eight different people, um, okay. and. Um, and it was hard work. It was hard work. Six days a week to, towards the end. Um, and um, yeah, it, and, but when I knew it was starting to work was when I realized I'd forgotten um, earlier pieces. You know, I, I was thinking, oh, that was done four months ago. God, I forgot that we did that. I forgot we did that. When I started forgetting pieces, that was when I realized, okay, fine, now we're getting to the stage where we've we, we probably got enough. But um, the essential figure in this, apart from my assistance, of course, was um, my wife in Drakana. I mean, she was the person who had to, I had to get her on board as a studio manager, basically, because I, I, I was struggling, really struggling to, to think this thing out in my head and to work with people and to manage the process. So she came in and we had to run it like a factory, you know, uh, uh, not a horrible factory, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but, yeah. but, 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 but it had to be run an efficient thing. And, and it was because, because what, what was, you know, what you need to understand is that when people come and see this work, there are other ways the figures could have gone. Right. And there are other things we tried. There, 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 there were many cul-de-sacs and dead ends and, and many sort of, for me, sleepless nights and thinking, oh, my God, this is not working. It's not working. And I'm waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning, which is my usual thing. I'm going, you know what? 
this is what we need to do or or like oh that's working we need to try that or you know we, we need we need some big figures or we need some tall figures some stilt dancers that's what we need you know so that's how it sort of worked but indra without indra this the thing wasn't happening and also wait, wait it, it's a team effort you have you need good people behind you so the the, the, the curators at tate were great you know clary wallace who's now um, uh, Turner Contemporary yeah. Market. She's running yep. that. Yeah, she's just she's just started this. So, so this was a, my project was her last mm. project, and Elena Cripper took took over, and then Mikey Nelson, M- M- Mikey Hall, who worked me. Basically, a friend who who's who's um, head of art handling at Tate. He was crucial. So, and and I know I'm, this sounds like a thank you <laughs> thing, but the thing is, you need to understand, right, that without. This, this is this is a very complex, very high pressure thing to be producing under COVID scenarios. Mm. So we're all trying to make sure people are safe, not getting sick, because and then you'd have a lockdown. You think, well, what do you do? The piece was started during lockdown. It was started on Zoom, you know, where I was I was sending material to assistants. Going and they were going. Is it like this, you? And I said, Yeah, that, that's looking good. That, that's that, see, that, and that, that's the kind of thing we're talking about, you know. It was <laughs> it was an extraordinary process, really extraordinary process. How important is cardboard to your practice? Ah, oh, my God, cardboard is important. Well, it's really important. Um, I mean, it's been pro- important for me all through my life. When I was nine years old, I was stay. I was uh, uh, my my dad was doing an MA in Edinburgh School of Art, so I came from Guyana. And long story short, we stayed at a place house, and they had this great toy, which was sheets of cardboard with things like a section of a car or a section of a boat printed on the side. And what you did is you clipped it together, and you sat in this thing, and there you are. You're in a car. You're in a boat. So that's how I realized this cardboard obsession has come from this early ninety late early nineteen seventies toy. Um, cardboard itself is just great because everybody understands it. Even more so, I realized that during the the, 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 the full on lockdown, cardboard boxes were arriving all the time in people's doors. Cardboard became this essential thing, and then cardboard now during the, during my process was 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 called beige gold. Because they became bloody expensive, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was yeah. the, that was the official t- title, beige gold, man. And it's it's throwaway. It's we it's it's disposable. It's useful. We all understand it. We all understand it on a very profound level, you know. Mm. There, there was a great ad I saw years ago. I digress. It's a great ad I saw years ago, and it was parents watching their child come downstairs on Christmas Day and open this big box. And they watch and say, "What's it? The present we got them. Got this kid. You know, it's gonna be great. Watch their face and stuff." Kid opens the box, takes out whatever was inside, gets in the box and goes vroom vroom. (laughs) (laughs) And and what was inside the box was irrelevant. You know, that's what cardboard is. You know, it can be whatever you. It can be make power of imagination. It can be make believe. But 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 also it can it, it can be. It can be really useful, and I love sculpting with it, tearing it up and sculpting masks, sculpting figures. It's it's a wonderful it's material. That idea of like everyone understands it because it's it's such a leveler, isn't it? It's something that's in everybody's everyday life, so it's a really powerful exactly. material. Exactly, it's in everybody's to use in an artwork in it, within an artwork. Exactly, 
and also to treat it as something serious. Yeah. For me, it's it's a poor material, but I'm, I'm I'm treating it. You know what? I'm putting this into my artwork because I I think this is a, this is a serious material. You know? Can we? Mm. You referenced your father then. So your da- your dad was a sculptor. Yeah. So you yeah. you grew up with art in your blood. And you've gone into sculpture yourself, and you were both actually in the um, Between Islands, which was the show that's just closed at the Tate Britain. You both were showing work in that show. Yeah. So, as a kid, was there always looking to your father's work and thinking that's an option for you, or was there ever a rebellious? Okay. Moment so, I, I, what, what I should say is, I was looking at more, at, at my, looking at my dad's work, but also my mother's work, because my mother was a painter, very, very, very good painter, um, and so both of them were inspirations and i've my my practice drops directly in between these two artists uh so but the here's the thing um i remember telling telling my my, my parents split up when i was about 11 and i remember when i was about 15 or so talking to my mother and saying you know what there's no way i'm gonna go down this art route we're broke. We're struggling. This, 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 this is a terrible, terrible idea. I tried very hard not to be an artist, <laughs> and they were both art teachers. And the only person they didn't teach became an artist, became a, a, a fully professional artist. It's really weird. And, and the work I've done, I was, I'd be doing something and think, all right. And then I'd see something my parents had done. I'd like, all right. That has an element of that. That has an element. Of that. I mean, I'm my own person. Don't get me wrong. I am my own person, but you, you can't get away from 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 your parents. You know, it's 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 in the genes, literally. You know what I mean? And you 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 moved to the UK when you were about fourteen, didn't you? So what 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 are your memories of growing up in Guyana? Do you do you feel like? Okay, well, so I moved. I moved here. I moved to the UK when I was twenty-one. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, long story short, right? Born, mm-hmm. born in Edinburgh, right? Moved to Guyana when I was five years old because I was born in Edinburgh because my dad was at Edinburgh School of Art. That's the reason why I was born there, right? Moved to Guyana when I was five. Came, come back at twenty-one, and to to go to art school and to uh, evening classes and stuff like that, all that mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, but that. That uh, all these things have have shaped me, you know. Your 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 past shapes who you are, you know. And the fact that I went to Guyana as a kid on a boat, um, and came back on a boat for in, in the early seventies, the nineteen seventy, that um, for a brief time, that is, that the boat thing is is a constant in the mind. You know what I mean. Mm. What's the art scene like in Guyana, in the Caribbean, during the Caribbean the is, years? Guyana, it, it's a small art scene, but it's growing. Um, the Caribbean is, again, is, is growing. It's definitely growing. I mean, there was a time years ago when, uh, when I, I met one, I met a, a, an artist from Trinidad in the early 2000s, very early 2000s, and he was contempor- contemporary artist Christopher Cozier, wonderful yeah. artist from Trinidad. And... Um, and that was a, a novelty, meeting, meeting somebody from the English-speaking Caribbean who's an, a contemporary artist, you know, that was a big deal. Now, um, thanks to his help and other people's help, um, uh, other organizations, um, things have changed, things are moving on, you know what I mean? There's a growing bunch of, bunch of stuff. I mean, it's reached a stage now where Alice Yard, a Caribbean 
um, Trinidad, um, Trinidadian-based um, organization, is taking part in the next documenta. Um, and they're, they're a sort of a non-profit um, artist's uh, sort of hub, basically, for the Caribbean, one of them. Amazing. But it's, it's, it's growing. It's, it's yeah. definitely growing. And, and, it, and, it's, it, and there are a lot of really, really interesting artists coming out of the Caribbean, the Fra- English-speaking Caribbean, the Francophone Caribbean, and the Spanish-speaking Caribbean, of course. The, 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 the Tate also have a, a work in their collection, I think, um, of yours from 2007 called Vita Veritas Victoria. And um, coats of yeah. arms and heraldry play a big kind of part within your work. Can you speak a bit about those works, which are kind of wall-based with fabric and um, beads and, and how, how all of that kind of side to your practice um, emerged? Yeah, well, okay. Um, years ago, in 2004, I was doing a show at Atlanta Contemporaries um, oh, Art yeah. Center in, in yeah. Georgia. And um, that was the first time I did one of these things. And uh, necessity is the mother of invention, eh? you know. So I, they were going to show a big piece of mine, and they didn't have the money. And I thought, and they said, well, and, and they said, well, you have this big wall to finish. Okay, man, what do you do? And I suddenly thought, again, the three o'clock in the morning <laughs> panic, you know. And I suddenly thought, you know what I can do? Very simple, a drawing on transparency paper, project that onto the wall, stick um, some cord onto the wall, cover that in beads, and, and that and this is going to work. You know, it'll, it'll be a strong piece. So I spent about, uh, about five days or so trailing around Atlanta buying Halloween beads. Oh, yeah. This is again. This is a long time ago, and that's the beginning of a particular type of practice. You know, it's about way of exhibiting somewhere else where you don't have you you don't have to ship. The shipping costs are nothing. You you know, stuffs bought bought locally. You're solving a lot of problems, basically. Mm. You know, it's almost a vernacular approach to making art. You know, you you get to the location and you find what's around you. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, and. um, uh, yeah, that, that that's it's it's you're always trying to make things easy for yourself and easy for 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 installers, if you see what I mean. For the so, that's sweet. With. That's sweet. That you think about the installers. Can you, can you <laughs> that, all the crating, well, everything that has to go into yeah. works like the boats and all of that. It's like, yeah, it must be such a huge operation to have to ship all those things. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, procession. Yeah. Imagine that. But what about that what, what about the language of the heraldry? So, like, what about the coats of arms? Like, when when that came. Okay, in, well, the coats of arms thing again. Well, well, okay, that comes in again from. I arrived in Guyana as a, as a five years old, and um, it was a time of Guyana's independence. So I saw the flag being made, and and, and I saw. The, uh, uh, the, the, the national anthem was, 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 was basically all the trappings of a new country. I saw that being formed. That was a formative thing for me. And the coat of arms, I saw that being work, being, being designed. And my mother, what, what, like through the newspapers or on the, on the local through, 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 through newspapers, but also through, through the, the circle of friends of my father, you know, because he was, he, he knew people who were working on all these things. At least that's as I as I remembered as a kid, you know. Wow! So, so you actually so, see the physical thing. The physical. I, I, no, I, 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 I would have seen that drawings of designs of it. And my mother was designing um, uh, printed shirts 
with the coat of arms on it. It was it, you have to understand this is a brand new coat of arms. You know, it had never been seen before. Before that, that it was part of of of, of, of it was a British colony basically, mm. and um, and that and that stuck the thing into me about about coats of arms, heraldic stuff. But it's a bit like symbols of countries and what do countries how, how do how do countries invent themselves? You know, and I start and I and I got interested in the coat of arms on my passport and the coat of arms on everybody's passport as a symbol of this is who we are. It's a statement of identity, but it's a, it's a power thing as well, yes. you know? And I remember going to the, 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 the College of Arms, which is a very interesting place uh, near Blackfriars. And that's where, that's where they're, they're issued, you know? Coats of arms are issued there. Co- coats, coats of arms. Okay, so they, they had, I saw an exhibition once and they had Haile Selassie's coat of arms. Then there, then there was a news item, which I, one thing struck me, is a news item of General Colin Powell, the US general involved in the Iraq war. He got himself a coat of arms, as I remember. He got himself a coat of arms. And, so, and, and I kept saying, well, what do you get the man or woman who has everything? So true. Exactly. Or you, or at the minute, everyone's getting galaxies, aren't they? Far away, buying like space. Oh god, yeah, 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 yeah. Coat of arms, the galaxy, oh, please yeah. have everything. Yeah. So, so the Devine. Not only have you got like one of the biggest commissions uh, in the UK that you could have within a museum, but upcoming from September this year, you have uh, the Metropolitan Museum in New York City, the Fifth Avenue Facade Commission coming up, where you take over yeah. the niches that are in the facade, and that's called Guilt. Yeah. I mean, are you are you already working on that? And what are the pressures of showing at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City? Extreme. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, the, the, this has been a year of, of extreme pressures. Um, it's 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 difficult. I mean, it's it's it's. I can't say too much about it, so I'm I'm, I'm having to be careful in what I say. Um, uh, I would need to pull up the press release to see what exactly <laughs> I can say. Yeah. Hmm. But um, I'm doing it. Um, it's great, uh, but it, it's it's an outdoor project. Tate is indoors. Indoors, the, 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 there, there's a reason why sculpture outdoors or art outdoors looks the way it does, and that's because of practicalities. That's because of regulations and stuff like that. You have to bear in mind that um, the Metropolitan Museum is. Uh, uh, not to say it's a listed building is an understatement. It's super yeah. listed, you know. Oh yeah. So so you have all sorts of complex things to deal with, but it's it's um, it's going ahead. You know what I mean? But by that I mean the, the work is we're working on it right now. You know, and uh, yes, w- watch this space. You know, absolutely. And will that travel by boat to get there? That's a very good question. We're still working that one out. I mean, in an ideal world, yes, but we're still working that one out. It's all down to timing and stuff like that, you know what I mean? And but definitely we're trying to work that one out. And any vernacular approach when you get to New York of trawling costume stores for jewels and pearls and... Um, yeah, there are a couple of places I go, I go for, for, for that type of thing. But um, usually these days I end up buying things online, you know, so, uh, but or, or going to... Going to secondhand shops and stuff like that, you know what I mean? It's it's it's, it's sort of like I, I'm like a magpie, you know. I, I'm I'm constantly hunting out things, and going, oh, oh, that can work. 
or or in this junk shop the, 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 that that can work as well you know it's 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 purely an instinct and what i work on these days to be honest we... i think it's the theatricality you just feel like you are designing a whole production constantly you you're covering the costume the makeup you know you're directing the actors the lighting the sets there is such a theater approach i mean are you a fan of theater and do you have dreams to do ballets and operas at some point i wouldn't say no you know i wouldn't say no i mean no of course i'm a fan of theater i mean but i don't go that often i mean last time i went was the globe to see othello um um mark rylance in, as, as iago <laughs> that, that guy is something else oh yeah you know, you know? um but yeah so but the the the, 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 the there is a theatricality to, to 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 definitely to the procession. You know something theatric theatrics. When I when I'm saying this, like sometimes people think theatricality in art. It used to be a bad word. You know what I mean? Like oh, it's too theatrical. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, that is to misunderstand theater. You know what I mean? Theater and theater can be many many different things. It can be a, it's it, as it's as wide and as complex as you would like. You know. Totally. Before we go on to our final questions, can I quickly just bring up a series that I adore? I think it's such a powerful series from 2005, and I think it's still ongoing, called Natives and Colonials. And um, they're photographs, C-type photographs, where you, um, you know, you you, you adapt them, don't you? Can you speak a bit about that body of work? (laughs) Yes. Okay, so um, I, I, I... I started off applying for, for, for funding to do to, to dress a statue in London. Yeah. And I didn't get the funding. You know, this 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 is in in early in, in two thousand and two thousand and one. And two thousand two and so the proposal I suddenly realized, you know what, the proposal is the work. That's because I'm never gonna be allowed to do this. And so the proposal becomes a work. So, I, so I, so I, and, and what it was, it's addressing something in London, which is that there are all these statues and they're so visible that they're invisible. People would walk past them and not see them at all. And I, I wanted to bring them to life. You know, so that's what these are. These are painted photos trying to bring these things to life and bring, bring back stories. And they're like, who is this guy? Who is that? He's a hero of the Punjab. What does that mean? I mean, and who are these heroes? And 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 um, usually heroes, not heroines. As we yeah, know. all men. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, oh God, yeah, the vast yeah, majority. Yeah. You know, with, with with occasional Florence Nightingale thrown in for good yeah. measure. You know, to me, somebody somebody doing something halfway decent. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, it's and that's what it, and 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 then it became a thing, and and it, it was. It was because they were so ignored and neglected, and it was unfashionable. I'm a big fan of unfashionable. You know? <laughs> it was uncool, you know, to me. And uh, and then things shifted in America. So I was I was in taking part in New Orleans Biennale and leaving there one night to go go home, being driven home, and and somebody's pointing out saying they're going to take that down, and I was like, what, really? And it was I think it was Robert E. Lee statue. I think it was that. And I was like, wow, oh my God, that's extraordinary. And then the whole statue thing kicked off and changed a lot. By then, I'd already, before then, I'd, I'd done work on the Colston statue 
reimagining what it could look like if I was allowed to dress that. Again, another impossible proposal. I thought that's going to be, that's a permanent state of affairs, not being able to do anything with these things. And then, of course, history takes over, you know, and you never know what tomorrow is going to bring, basically. That's the thing. You never know how history is going to go, mate, you know? Yeah. And the Colson statue was in Bristol Harbour. That was the one that was torn down. That was the one that was torn, torn down. Thrown yeah. in the river. Yeah, exactly. Right. Thrown in the river. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still an empty plinth at the minute. I it's think. still an empty plinth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Hugh, we ask uh, every guest the same questions at the end. You've actually answered one of them, which was uh, the best advice you've ever received when it comes to your art. And that was to give yourself a treat to come back to in the uh, studio every day. But the, First question is, if you could do an art heist, um, you could have any work of art in the world for yourself, what would that be and why? I, I've been thinking about this and I, can't, I, I find I can't come up with an answer. Every time I think about that one piece of work, I just see myself in the Metropolitan Museum, walking through the corridors, just looking at bits and pieces, not homing in anything specifically, but just going, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> in other words, it would be not, not stealing. Because, okay, years ago, I, I, sent, I would send images to my mother many, many years ago when I first came to Libra about things I would steal. And they were all standard Rembrandts and stuff because I'd never seen Rembrandt before and these kind of things, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's evolved um, to the point where I feel, well, I own this bloody stuff anyway, you know what I mean? If, if it's a national gallery, I own that. I mean, I'm paying taxes. I own that stuff. So w- w- what I'm talking about is is breaking the rules of this thing and going, you know what? I, wa- I wander through the Metropolitan Museum. Whenever, whenever I'm in New York, I'm in New York because my family lives there. So we're split up like that. And when I'm there, I wander through the galleries and I go, I like that. I like that. You know what? I fancy seeing something in an African section or seeing something in a pre-Columbian section or seeing something in a European section. Oh, you know what? I fancy having a look at some mice and porcelain. So a combination of between of the V&A Museum and the, the Met Museum walk through with not homing in anything, not, not stealing anything. We need to just give you a shopping trolley, don't we? Basically, go through your weekly shop. Shopping trolley with, with, with tiny little pixels. Tiny, t- t- I'm, I'm looking. I'm not looking for anything big and fancy. Tiny little things. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, we just need a basket, a shopping basket. A, a, you put your milk, your eggs, your bread, but your mice and pottery. Your <laughs> exa- yeah. exactly because when, when I think of the, the standard answer I've given in the past is is um, the Kishengarada. Mm. And it's it's by a guy called Nihal Chand, and it's an Indian, a highly stylized in, in, um, in painting of an in, Indian miniature painting of Radha, and it's from the school of Kishengar in in India, Indian miniature painting, and it's it's an iconic um, um, treasure of Indian art, highly stylized, and it's it's a beautiful thing, but it's it's there's so many things off with it that it's. Um, it's 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 quite quite special. I've never seen it before. We uh, we had a poster of it up on the wall for years, and then the poster faded away. Um, so I've never seen the actual painting. And uh, it's, if I was if I was forced, that was what I'd pick. The Kishengar Rada. Let me just. I and, wonder and, where that is. Is that in India? In in one of their national galleries? Yes, or? in one of the national galleries in India. All oh, right. Hold on a second. 
he says. I also um, love the fact that I, I've read that you're an expert on the Metropolitan Museum. So for you to then have work commissioned there must be the, the ultimate dream. No, for me, it's extraordinary. Uh, when, when they started this uh, commission, the, 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 the facade commission, I never thought in a million years that I would get a call saying, you know what, Hugh, we'd like you to think about this and take this on, you know. Wow. No, no, it's, 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 it's well, great. Congratulations. It's the same yeah, with the great. V&A as well, though, because you've, you, you've exhibited there, but I know the V&A collect your work, and I saw they actually, you made a, a suite, um, I think called the Rivington Place Portfolio. Um, is that right? Yeah. Yes. But there, yes. there was a work in that that actually related to something you'd, you'd seen, like a chalice or something, in the V&A's collection there. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I, I, I've, I've been fascinated by that type of thing for a while, you know. Um, and it's, it's it's a piece called the prize, That's right, yeah. and it's it's a paper co- it's a paper collage of of, of a trophy cup, and uh, it was done as an edition, which is kind of crazy. It's a, a, a three dimensional printed thing is not the thing you do as an edition. It was Rutgers Center for Printing, really cool. Print Center. Yeah, I just noticed that the the kitchen the kitchen guy rather it's not it's not called it. Its official title is Barney Fanny. And it's um, it's in the National Museum of New Delhi, and uh, but I, I I've I've heard it described as the Kishingar Rada, but it's it's quite a thing. It's a very strange thing, very highly stylized for an Indian miniature, which are all are stylized anyway. This is particularly highly stylized. It was a unique thing. This one that this um, came out of Kishingar. Amazing. Amazing. The other question we ask every uh, guest is, what is your favorite yeah, sure. color? blue that was quick straight, straight. in there yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> and why yeah, yeah. blue i don't know you know what Here, here's my problem is i changed my mind <laughs> changed my mind right orange and orange it's either between blue and orange which i ironically complementary colors but but blue but 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 orange because orange is i like the color but it's, it's the color of, of of creek water in guyana Creek water in Guyana is um, is in the shallows. It has this orangey tinge to it, and I see it in the work of lots of Guyanese painters. But it's something which I've always liked. From 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 a, from a dress from a, from a fab, from a clothes point of view, it's blue, but orange as well. But orange is a as a memory. Orange has a really quite profound memory for me. It's it does it. Basically, what you have to imagine is swimming in in something which looks like Coca Cola. Right. You know, it, it, it's 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 black water, but when it hits the shallows, it turns this dark sort of orangey red. And the name of the creek we swam in as kids was called Red Water Creek, but really it should have been called Orange Water Creek. Beautiful. Really, That's amazing. Really beautiful. I was actually thinking a lot about color within your work as well because if you think of like the one that was in Folkestone just all those kind of votive boats or all these materials are so um what does votive mean oh, by the way what's like, that um, dedic- what, what is it dedicated or something yeah it's like an offering like you like I mean at the time I was making this work I was looking at, I was uh, the, 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 what, what it meant as I saw it was ships captains who had survived a, a life at sea would make an offering for thanks uh, for, 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 for the protection 
to in, in a church. And that's what the suspended boats are. They're votive offerings. Mm. But I was... It's the kind of thing which is... Sorry, please, go, go on. on. Go on. Uh, it's the kind of thing you, you, you see in Catholic churches where you see a limb, a, a silver limb or a silver ha- or, 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 or a heart or some part of the body. And that's put up there in thanks or thanks for sort of surviving surgery or something like that. It's, 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 it's in, largely in Catholic churches. I remember seeing a whole collection of Frida Kahlo's. She she collected them. And when I was in Mexico City, yes. she actually had a whole collection of votive artworks um, to do with that, that religion, I think. But um, what, what yes. really struck me, though, is the in those installations is the colour choices, because you must have to work out which order you put all of these, these um, boats in, in a kind of sense of colour, because it seems so well thought out, or is it just more spontaneous than that? It, it's, it's more spontaneous, but then it's, it's almost like, but then you get the situation where you, you, you're finished and you think, okay, you know what? These two need to be separated by at least five feet exactly, because yeah. they're fighting with yeah. each other. And, 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 but it's, it's, it's arrived instinctively, but instinctively over years and years of doing this kind of thing, year, years of practice. Yeah. And, uh, but it is, it is, if I'm truly honest, largely instinctive. But then it's like, you know what? We have too much like this. We need to, you know, we, we, let's, let's have pink, pink and green. Oh, that would be great. Let's do that, yeah. you know. And, and it's, 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 um, it's forcing the work to, to, to your own desire rather than having it imposed back onto you, you know, thinking, well, I want to do, I want it bright yellow. Why not? Sod it. Let's do that. If it's too bright, we dirty it down. And that's the thing which runs through a lot of the work I do. It's like it needs to look as if it's had a life. So, so aging things is, is, is quite crucial. Mm. Got it. Well, Hugh, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for everyone listening. You can go to Tate Britain in London and see the procession until January 2023. And then upcoming, if you're in New York, you happen to be lucky enough to be over there. Uh, guilt from September to May um, that starts September 2022 this year at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in the Facade And if Commission. you'd like to explore uh, um, the many decades of work that Hugh has been making and um, uh, creating, uh, you can visit his official website as well, which is hughlock.net. Um, and it's a brilliant archive there uh, of many different series. So I recommend that strongly. And um, Hugh, are you on Instagram? I am, yes. And... Um... Don't know what. Just, just look it up. It's there. You know? Hugh <laughs> Lock is definitely on Instagram, so you yeah. can follow him there. We'll, we'll we'll link to your um your page. Thank you so much. It's been such a wonderful privilege to spend Thank this you. time with you, and I really yeah. hope we get to see you um in real life very soon because we're obviously doing this remotely. Oh, your Instagram is at Hugh DJ Lock, and Lock hasn't yeah. at the end. Yeah. Uh, but we'll we'll link yeah. to you. Thank you, Hugh, and congratulations Thanks on you. the Stick around. Really installation. We love it. And um, we'll be back very soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.